0: Hello, this is Reverend Judith Laxer. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Gaius Temple Service entitled Reimagining Our World. Wherever you are tuning in from all over the globe, I'm so glad you're here. My wish is that the food for thought offered brings great nourishment for your soul. The Guy's Temple ministry is sustained completely by those who partake of its teachings. If you feel served by this offering, please push the donate button now and give generously. We'd be most grateful. Thank you so much, and blessed be. Most of that was just magnificent. Your song is magnificent. I remember when I first heard it, it kind of blew my mind. It's just so deeply beautiful and emotional. Thank you so much, so very, very much. So before I go into the content of our service today, I want to take this moment to give a special shout out to our listeners who tune in to our audio podcasts through the website or whatever vehicle, you can listen to them. And to those who watch our YouTube channel and don't check into this zoom meeting each month, uh, you know, each more month, the board of directors, uh, for guys temple, we check the analytics of our cyber presence. And we just wanted to check in and say that we see you and we appreciate you. We are grateful for our international audience all over this continent and Europe, the middle and far East. Australia and New Zealand. We've had some Central and South American listeners, too. So thank you for tuning in and thereby supporting Gaius Temple. We are global. That feels really, really good. And we are grateful to you. So thank you so much. So onward with Valerie Kors Revolutionary Love. This year we are learning and practicing, or putting into practice The Principles of Revolutionary Love by Valerie Kaur. Her last name is spelled K-A-U-R. If you haven't checked out her work, you really ought to do it. If you haven't watched her TED Talk, don't miss her TED Talk. It's magnificent. And the principle where we are today is the principle of reimagining the world. So Mari's going to put up the Revolutionary Love Compass so we can just see how far we've come and see where we're at, which is what a compass does. It orients us. And so we began with um, others by seeing no stranger in the upper left-hand corner there. And we started with wonder, went on to grieve, and then to explore the principle of fight. That was the first third of the compass. We are in the second third now, going clockwise. Now we are learning revolutionary love for our opponents. We do this by tending the wound. We began by exploring first our own rage, And then by listening to our opponents, and now we're at the third principle of tending the wound, which is to reimagine. So that's where we're at. And that means next month we are moving on to the third third part of the compass. But for now, we are at reimagine. Okay, Mari, great. Thank you. Tending this wound is an interesting process. Whenever it is that we go to tend a wound, we can pretty much be guaranteed that we're gonna be facing some pain. We experience pain when we are wounded. When we go back to tend the wound, we are tending that pain. So we're going to feel it again. What we must keep in mind in tending that wound, however, is that we're going back to heal it. And so it is qualitatively different. Than when a wound is perpetrated upon us or something happens and we become wounded. So we need to keep that in mind because revolutionary love is very, very difficult work. And um, this is a painful part of it. Reimagining our world, which is what happens now in this principle, is what we do with the information that we gleaned from learning about our own rage and listening to our opponents. Um, and this, all of these principles are active and they should be put into play, they should be put into action, but now we begin to reimagine our world based on the information we have already gleaned, and it's very, very exciting. Uh, because now we began to implement a new vision. So it's one thing to go back into the deep and the dark and to really stay focused on what's going wrong and how it's not happening. Now we start to turn toward how might it be. And that happens with reimagining the world. So we're gonna sing our so love chant that Oriel Lighton wrote for us because we're singing it every month to remind us of what we're doing and why we're doing it. So Mari will put those words up. Many of you know this. If you don't, I'm sure you'll catch on pretty soon. I'm going to sing it. Make sure you are muted. And here we go. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. We are part of the solution, so we love, so I love. And we stir the revolution, so we love, so I love. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. We see mothers, we see brothers, so we love, so I love. And I tend myself and others, so we love, so I love. They are takers and heartbreakers, still we love, so I love. Dare to wonder what lies under, so we love, so I love. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. We are growing, we are growing, we bestow love. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. We are part of the solution, so we love, so I love. And we stir the revolution, so we love, so I love. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. We see mothers, we see brothers, so we love, so I love. And I tend myself and others, so we love, so I love. They are takers and heartbreakers, still we love so I love, dare to wonder what lies under, so we love, so I love, just the chorus, we are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love, we are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love, we are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. Thank you, Oriel Lighten, for that gorgeous chant. So Valerie Cord defines reimagining as exploring a vision of a relationship, a community, and/or a world where all are safe and free. So let's just think about that for a moment where we are all safe and free. Just start to imagine what that would be like if everyone you knew and everyone you thought about all over everywhere was safe and free. That is a vision that makes me so happy I can't even begin to tell you. You know, the Revolutionary Love Project of Valerie Kors is a social justice organization, and we are a spiritual organization and a congregation. But as I said back in January, when we first started exploring the principles of revolutionary love, they seem to me really to be one and the same. The principles seem to be spiritual principles that can be applied in the real world, applied in a way that can transform our world into a better one, one that is fairer and more equitable, and where everyone is safe and free. That is truly my highest ideal to help create a world that is safe and free for everyone. So we're reimagining the world. The MAG, the M A G in imagine or reimagine, is the same M A G in magic and in image and in imagination, in mage, the archetype of the magician who manifests. It's all the same root. This is our realm as good old fashioned pagans. We are not afraid of magic. We do our magic and we do our magic for the highest good of all. We cast our spells, we set our intentions, we charge them up spiritually, we take actions in alignment with them. We do this work in our rituals all the time in this community and also in our private spiritual work, in our, in our own spell spellcasting, in our, in our private practice. So here's a very uh, sort of quick and dirty magic lesson, a lesson on the basics of magic making. And it always begins with a need, a desire, or an intention. Something happens, something comes up, and we want something. It comes from a place of desire. And that's another thing, of course, that I love about pagan practice. We don't have to try to suppress our desires, right? We pay attention to our desires because it's telling us something about the kind of world we wanna live in. So there's a need, a desire, an intention, and then a vision is formed using our imagination. It's like this. We want it to be like that. Hmm. What would that be like? And we start to envision that difference. Information is gathered about it. If we're spell casting, objects are gathered that are you know associated with this particular vision that we want to manifest and then a plan is made. First, I'm gonna do this, then I'm gonna do that, then I'm gonna do the other, and this is going to be how I bring this into manifestation. Then sacred space is created, which is a safe container for the work. Energy is raised, an altered state is entered into, and then that energy is directed toward the vision, the action or the actions taken. That is a quick little outline of really what magic is. And we can see that it's really, really quite simple. And that we're actually engaged in magic almost all the time in our lives. Like, oh, I'm hungry. I think I'll make a sandwich. What kind of sandwich do I want? Then I go and I get those things for the sandwich. Then I put it together. Then I bless it. Then I eat it, right? It's like, it's, it's pretty much the same trajectory for us to satisfy our desires when we elevate what our desires are beyond our own individual selves, we are entering into revolutionary love. In the revolutionary love training course that I took, Valerie tells a story in each module for each principle, a personal story, illustrating each one of these principles, a specific incident, either where the need for this principle arose and then how it was implemented. So I started to think about how I could tell the story that she told um, about her experience, and then I just thought, I'm just going to read you from the transcript because she, I can't possibly say it better than she did, and it so perfectly speaks to this principle of reimagining the world. So it goes like this: This is Valerie word, Valerie's words. It was a cold night in February. The snow was high on the ground. I was wondering why I was making my way through the snow to a Catholic church. And once there, there was a priest at the door who welcomed me inside, and down I went into the basement of the church. I was a first year law student, and there were reports of misconduct in the community called East Haven, Connecticut. And the priest was holding a meeting, and so I volunteered to go on behalf of my legal clinic. Still, I didn't know what I was doing as I sat in that corner, and just waited to see what was happening and what the misconduct was about. The priest, Father James Manship, stood in front of the congregation, and at that point there were just a few dozen fathers and mothers, community members, with their babies on their laps, sitting in a circle, all of them Latinx community members, who are waiting and listening as the priest opens up a prayer. And then he drew a line, a single line, on a big piece of paper in the front of the circle, and he asked the people, who has the power in this town? And the people yelled out, la Right, the police, los políticos, the elected leaders. And Father James Manship, he wrote the world as it is on one side of the line, and he wrote the police, the mayor, the elected leaders. And then he wrote in the second column, the world as it ought to be, and he says, who else has the power in this town? And everyone grew very silent. Until someone in the front row said, el Dios. And someone in the back said, la gente. And the priest said, that's right. The people with God in their hearts have the, people, have the power in this town. And in the world as it ought to be, the police are serving we, the people. Now it's time to hear your stories, he said in Spanish, and one by one, each of those brave people stood up and began to tell their stories, and they pulled back their sleeves to show their scars at the hands of the local police officers. You see, police officers had been stopping Latinx residents without reason, sometimes beating them up, sometimes tasering them, waiting outside storefronts, stalking them home at night, This was a small, sleepy town in Connecticut where the Latinx community was growing at a rapid pace and began to produce anxiety and animosity among the rest of the townspeople, including those who were police officers. And when the priest said, would you tell your stories in public, they all shook their heads. No, they said, it's far too dangerous. And the priest said, but we're not alone. We have our lawyer here. And all eyes turned toward me. This is Valerie. Who is a a sick woman, S I H K. And again, she says, I was a first year law student who had just shown up to a meeting. But in that moment, I took a deep breath and I nodded, and we became a coalition. I took the case back to my legal clinic and my professor said, yeah, if you want the case, it's yours. And together with a group of law students, we began to collect stories, began to write them down, story after story after story. And as I was beginning to collect those stories, I remembered what I had once learned about what it means to fight injustice and to listen to one's opponents. Remember that last principle was to listen to the opponents that I couldn't just listen to the stories of the individual shopkeepers and mothers and fathers and the reign of terror that they are surviving, that I also had to turn and lift my gaze to the police officers. And because of the work I had done and because I was finally able to orient to that uniform and see the human being behind it, I began to understand, looking at their statements, hearing their stories, that it wasn't just a matter of a few bad apples, this was about the culture of the police department, these officers were operating inside an institution that condoned and rewarded officers who targeted Latinx people in police stops and then called on immigration officials to try to deport them. And so if we were going to succeed, we had to do more than just resist a few bad officers. We had to try to reimagine the police department. How do we do that? That was a tall order. I remember the night of our first press conference. I knew that we needed to be able to tell these stories in the light of day, so we stayed up all night preparing their testimonies, and in the morning, we all gathered inside the church, and I remembered the stain, I remember the stained glass and the dust motes floating in the sunlight. And I remember the priest standing up and said, "Now it's time to pray." And again, I'm a sick American in a Christian church, and so I sort of roll my eyes, but I close them and say, oh no, we don't have time to pray, we have to go. And then, just then, the people burst into song. It was a song in Spanish, a song of longing and liberation, a a song born of grieving and fighting and raging and struggling and rising. It was a song that flowed down through us, through the centuries, like a river, sweeping me up in the current. My heart soared, my eyes welled up with tears, and I took a deep breath, and I joined that river of people leading us out from the darkness of that church into the light of day, facing the sea of cameras. Our people took to the podium, and they told their stories. And in that moment, we launched a campaign, a full-throated campaign to take on the police department. We got the Department of Justice to open an investigation. This was under the Obama era, so this was only the second such investigation opened by the Obama administration. The first was of Sheriff Joe Arpaio's department in Arizona. I'm not sure I pronounced his name correctly, forgive me for that. And after three years of fighting, three years of fighting, and filing and reorganizing and raising up the stories as much as we could, the Justice Department released the results of their investigation. It found that the East Haven Police Department had engaged in widespread bias policing, unconstitutional searches and seizures, and the use of excessive force. Four police officers were arrested on charges of conspiracy, false arrest, excessive force, and obstruction of justice. 10% of the entire force left the department. But that was not the end of our work. Remember, it's not just about resistance or unseating actors, bad actors, from power. This was about changing the culture of the police department. You know what happened next? The priest opened the doors once again. We met in the basement of the church once again. And this time, my clinic students, my fellow students, sat with community members and asked them how they would reimagine the police department. And they began to write those ideas down and then translated those ideas into seven demands that were delivered to the Department of Justice. And the Department of Justice pursued six of the seven demands in a monumental, consent decree, an agreement that forces police officers and mayors to enact reforms by a particular deadline. And that model was so successful that it was then taken to police departments around the country from Ferguson to Baltimore, the seventh demand the clinic got on a law. So after these three years, after what seemed impossible to do, this community had not only ended a reign of terror by this police department, it had reimagined the department. It had remade the department. Now, today, the East Haven Police Department is far from perfect, but this was an act of liberation. And none of it would have been possible if that church basement had not been a place for the community itself to reimagine the world as it ought to be. That's her story. It's such an inspiring story. And of course, I love that the transformation of this police department started in a house of worship. And see, that's why I, that, I said before about these principles. They're, they're enacted for social justice, but they are spiritual principles, and they come, they're at, at the core, they're essentially the same thing. What needs to happen first is that we are in a safe container. We have a safe container. To talk about what is going on with other like minded individuals or with those who are experiencing what we are experiencing. There is a safety that needs to happen first. You know, this deep connection between our spirituality and that sense of social justice. You know, spirituality is not just something, it's not separate from our everyday lives. It shouldn't be separate from our everyday lives. It's not just something we do on a Sunday or when we go to a ritual. It's something that should be infused and integrated in our lives all the time. Um, That true spirituality is deeply integrated that way. It informs our actions all the time. It cultivates good morals and ethics and values that are equitable and for the highest good of all, not just one demographic, not just these people, not just that social strata, all, everybody. So this is where, uh, so that story is just so incredibly inspiring. The few things I wanna draw out about it are one, it took three years. This is not just, oh, I'm gonna do this and tomorrow everything's gonna be perfect. And that's why when we, do the, when we practice the principles of revolutionary love, we need to be thoughtful. We need to go slow. I mean, sometimes we have to act right away. But we need to be thoughtful and go slow and pace ourselves and know that this work is for the long haul. It's not a quick fix, and most likely it's not going to be a one and done. So safe containers, bigger picture, long term, and find the people that you are aligned with because it happens in beloved community. She says that over and over again. Revolutionary love is not a lone wolf somewhere. It happens in beloved community. So... To reimagine is to explore a vision of a relationship, a community, a world where all are safe and free, where all of us can flourish. And reimagining means that we're doing more than just resisting our opponents, that we are paying attention to the cultures that authorize them to harm us and the institutions that allow them to continue their bad behavior. So an institution is, this is what the dictionary tells us, a society or an organization founded for a religious, educational, social, or similar uh, purpose, any container for a specific culture. It's also an established law practice or custom. That's mostly how we know our institutions, you know, like turkey on Thanksgiving. It's an institution. It's like it's the thing that we do over and over and over until we just think it's the normal thing. And that's how it has to be. Um, we can look at institutions in our world that strongly influence us as you know, as big as our Congress and governments, um, universities, but there are also our workplaces, our houses of worship. I like to think of Guy's Temple as an institution. Um, but even our own families, even in a relationship with just a friend, there are institutions because they contain people in a certain way if the way that they are containing people or holding people or providing or what, what have you, if those ways are harmful, then we must reimagine them. And if we try to reimagine them and we can't reimagine them, like we can't see any way that this is ever going to be different, then those institutions might have to be dismantled and replaced altogether. That's the work. That's the hard work. Valerie tells us that reimagining focuses us not just on what we're fighting against, but the future that we are fighting for. And that difference right there is the difference between this is too much for me. I can't handle it. I can't do anything. I'm out of here. And "okay, what now? What next? You know, just the very next step. Where was I? All the great leaders, she says, all the great leaders in our world did more than just resist harm. They held up and shared a vision of what the world could be that we could aspire to. So we must look to those leaders who are visionaries because they were reimagining the world. This is what she says. And here's the secret. When we engage in that hard and vibrant work of reimagining the world as it ought to be, we start to realize that we have opportunities, spaces in our own lives to begin to create the beloved community where we are. When we are brave enough to reimagine, we can begin to become the beloved community by birthing it here and now. So there. So now, on the wheel of the year, we are... Uh, rapidly approaching the summer solstice. This year it falls on June 21st at 2.41 a.m. when the sun goes into Cancer. It's the longest period of sunlight in any 24-hour period of the solar year. Pagans say, we say, that this is the time when our sun king or our sun god, the consort of the goddess, is at his peak of power. He is active and radiant and protective. And from his vantage point as the sun, he can see the entire planet and he is shining down for the entire planet, not just anyone demographic, not just the elite, not just the wealthy, not just the privileged, but all of us. So if you would, take a moment now, close your eyes, and go within. i going to lead us in a very brief sort of meditation guided visualization. Take a couple of deep, deep breaths and reestablish your connection to the grounding cord that you sent down at the beginning of the service. And if you came in after we grounded, go ahead and ground yourself now. Feel your roots deep in the earth. Feel Mother Earth holding you with her unconditional love and breathe deeply into that. Good. Now bring your attention up to your third eye in the center of your forehead. Imagine it like an actual eye, just like your other two. Go ahead and open it up, looking out into your imagination and find that you are the sun. You are that shining star radiating light out into the universe. Just take a moment now to just simply shine. And notice how far reaching your radiance goes. And when you look down on planet Earth, the third rock away from you, that blue and green jewel, you see how you are warming her with your abundant light. Earth is turning, rotating on her axis, and as she does, your light bathes her, covers her, warms her, and enlivens her. And your light shines down everywhere. But there is one particular place that your light reaches right now in this moment, one specific place. And this is the place that needs your transformation, that needs the vision you have of it transformed into something healthy and loving, providing safety and freedom. So with your third eye, follow that one ray of your light as it reaches exactly where it needs to go, to the exact place, the institution, the pattern, the dynamic that influences your life in a way that needs to be transformed. Determine what that place is now. And let your endless light keep pouring down onto this. And as it does, see if you can reimagine it. Imagine it working perfectly now for the highest good of all. See the smoothness of care and provision and freedom. See the ease and the love flowing with your light. Imagine that transformation and consider now what might that first step be in transforming it. Now, if you have tried to reimagine this place transformed and healed, taking care of everyone's needs so they're safe and free, and you can't, This might be one of those places that needs to be dismantled altogether. And consider then now, how might you be instrumental in its dismantling? Good. And then take another really deep breath now. Bring yourself back into your physical body and gently bring yourself back to Gaia's temple and our space here. And now Mosa has another song for us.
1: I wrote a number of songs during. The lockdown pandemic time, and this was uh, this one came through in April of 2020. We all breathe together. What we focus on will grow. Our visions will expand. Our lives are in our hands. Words we say are power. We create ourselves hour by hour minute by minute second by second and together we co-create in love or hate don't hesitate to know this and there's enough to go around we'll shine a light on all the green change of heart to understand it takes us all to lend a hand so absolutely everyone gets what they need sun will grow, our visions will expand, our lives are in our hands. We're all made of the same thing, from galaxy to tiny cells. every bit of it unique, the universe supplies it all, we are one, it really is a miracle. And if we could know the truth of this, our world might not have come undone. Now we have a chance to start anew to make it a better place for everyone. And what we focus on will grow. Our visions will expand. Our lives are in our hands. Because what we focus on will grow visions will expand, heights are in our hands. We all breathe together, we all breathe together.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Mosa. Gorgeous music. Such beautiful song. Such a beautiful song. Thank you. Thank you. Very Words much. of truth. So, my friends, revolutionary love is difficult work. There is no doubt about it. It's, otherwise, it would be called same old love. But it's revolutionary because it means we must do things differently to cause change and the change that is so needed. So, like I said before, take your time, wait until you feel ready, but also don't hesitate. You know, there comes a time when we have to take an action or do something And we're still afraid of it, or it still feels too risky, or we're not sure, we're afraid we'll fail. But there does come a time when we think, you know what, I'll never be readier than I am right now. And that is the moment when it's a good time to take something that's a little bit of a risk. Not until then. Prepare yourself in every way you can for the big actions or the small actions or any action at all. But if you get to the point where you realize, you know what, there's nothing more I can do, now I'm just afraid because I haven't taken the action yet, that's when it's time to do it. And you'll show yourself that you're smarter than you think, wiser than you know, braver than you thought. It's a good thing. We don't have to do it all. We just have to do something appropriate to our place in the big picture and get used to doing what you can do that's appropriate in the big picture. And that will give you confidence and experience so that maybe you can go a little further next time out. It's risky business, there's no doubt about it, but it's something that's necessary to do. And it's something that is practiced in beloved community. And Gaia's Temple is a beloved community for everyone here, everyone who's listening, and everyone who's watching anywhere in this moment and even in the future. And if at any time you feel the risk is too much and you need to talk to somebody, that's why I'm here. You contact me and we will talk revolutionary love until it's all good. Risk requires courage and strong hearts. Hearts that are filled with love for our planet and every being on it, including the plants and the animals, all the way down to the mycelium in the ground. So, my friends, may we all keep our eyes open to see what needs our light and our protection. May we stay active in reimagining the world as a precursor to the actions we will take to manifest our highest holy vision. May we become the mages who create cultures and societies that are equitable, safe, and free for everyone. And may we do that now, blessed be.